Well, good morning, Northlands Church. It is so good to be with you. I hope you're doing well. Uh, if it's your very first Sunday here, a special welcome to you. As, as Jenny said, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you chose to be here this morning. And as she mentioned, you could not have picked a more ideal time to join us because we are kicking off a brand new series that we are calling Kingdom Come. And for the next month, what we're going to do is we're going to um, study what does the Bible mean when they talk about the kingdom of God. Jesus had a primary message in his mouth for three years when he ministered to his disciples, and it was all around the kingdom. This is such an important subject for that very reason, that Jesus put a high emphasis on what it meant to be a part of his kingdom. And so for the next month, we're going to talk about what the kingdom is, how we fit in the kingdom, and most importantly, when we pray a prayer like, Lord, let your kingdom come, what is it that we're actually asking for? When we look at the life of Jesus, we see two primary missions that he had in coming to earth. It wasn't just that he came to the world to save us of our sins and to die on the cross for our sins. That was one objective of his mission. We see that plainly that he came to the world to be a sacrifice for us, but he also came with another objective and that was to establish his kingdom. Uh, it, for, it took him three days to take care of that first objective. You think about that, he was put to death, he was buried, he was resurrected. It took him three days to be our sacrifice, but it took him three years to build a kingdom culture into the hearts of 12 men and his followers. I think that that's fascinating. That Jesus spent his time continually telling parables, working miracles, ministering with his friends and continually whispering to him, hey, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And this new kingdom is coming. It's here, I'm establishing it, be a part of it. And so that's what this series is about. It's an invitation for you and for me to step in and to be a part of his kingdom. At the end of the day, there's a broad stroke invitation that we have to recognize, that the kingdom of God does not come to us. The kingdom of God, it manifests through our lives. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God that Jesus did not come to build a, a kingdom like the kingdoms of old from the, the leaders that were previous to him. They didn't build walls around a city like Jerusalem, but rather he built a culture into the heart of 12 men and he is still building that culture today. Jesus said, my kingdom, it's like yeast in a bread, just a little bit in the dough and it will work itself out. And the Lord is working out his kingdom through the earth today. That's what we're talking about when we talk about his kingdom coming. So I wanna dive into this series and I wanna preach a message that I'm calling the culture of the kingdom. If we wanna see the kingdom come, we have to understand the culture that he is inviting us into. And culture is such a powerful thing. It is so incredibly important. And we'll talk about why that is in just a moment. But I wanna start by defining culture for us for our time today. Here's how I'm gonna define culture. Culture is the environment created through people that are embracing the same values. This is how cultures, good cultures are formed, that people come together into a space, an environment, an atmosphere. And those people fill that space with common values, the things that they like. Think about uh, the last time you went to an incredible party, dinner party, birthday party, wedding celebration, the last time that you went to a party, what made that party incredible? What was the best party you've ever attended? And what made that party so awesome. Was it the house that it was hosted in? Was it the type of music? Was it the food on the menu? Type of weather, location, beach, lake house? All of these things add to a great party, but none of them are what creates the culture. Because if you think about it, think about if you went to a party and they had the world's best sushi. I love sushi. But let's say you were allergic to seafood. Point drop on the party. 
Let's say that they had one type of music on their playlist, country music. Already depressing. There's always one. The kingdom of God is of many members, but some of them will be on the outside of the party. No. I shouldn't call people out like that. If you're at a party and you're allergic to the food that's there and the music you, you absolutely hate, not saying I hate country music, but I do. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that that party is not that great. Why? Because values have come in. People who value a certain kind of music, people who value a type of food, a certain location, they don't register as valuable to us and therefore the party is not made. What makes a party is a group of people gathering together and saying we have all the same values. We embrace the same value. At Northlands, we have a culture. Every, every space that's occupied by people is a culture. Your workspace, your kids' school, their soccer team, the college that you're a part of, every space that is filled with people has a culture. And at Northlands, we have a culture. And if you wanna know what that culture is at a snapshot, we've talked about this for the last several weeks, go to our resource center just in the room over here, and we've posted the journey map. The journey map is a snapshot of the kind of culture that we are building here at Northlands. And if you look at all the different dots that are on the journey map, the milestones, we have 38 different values that we're saying this is what we love here in this culture. We love hearing God's voice. We love being habitually led by the Holy Spirit. We love generosity. We love service. And isn't it amazing that all the members here love the same values? Why? Because people walk in and they go, I love this too. And they stay. And some people come in and go, I hate country music. And they leave. Why? Because, because people can come in and they can see a value and they either embrace it or they go, that's not for me. And this is what Jesus preached about his kingdom on a continual basis. He said, I'm introducing a culture and it's run by a certain set of values. And if you wanna be a part of my kingdom, you have to embrace these values. This is why we are always asking this question here at Northlands as a leadership team and as a community. We're asking this question, what is it that the king values? In a kingdom, it's where the king has dominion. It's where his rule and reign exists. So it's all about what does Jesus value? As we look at the scriptures, we ask the question, what was it that Jesus says, I have a high value here. I'm in awe of this. I love this. And what are the things that he just outright rejected and said, that's not a part of my kingdom? Uh, we, we, so what do we do? We, we look at these things and we go, uh, if there's an expression of the kingdom of God that we don't have in our value system here, we adopt that value. And if there's something that's happening in our community that is not an expression of the kingdom of God, we adjust that value out. Adopting and adjusting, Jesus would call this principle binding and loosing. He said to his disciples, I give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm gonna tell you the secret sauce of what makes our kingdom culture awesome. I give you these keys. And so wherever you are, this is how that yeast works itself out in the dough. Wherever you are, loose the values of the kingdom. And wherever you see a value that is not celebrated in the kingdom, you have the authority to bind it up. The kingdom of God does not come to us. It is manifest through the life of the church who is continually releasing kingdom values and binding up values that are not of the kingdom. Now, we have to ask the question though, why does culture and values matter so much? I'm talking about culture and values. We can see why, why does it matter that we live by kingdom values? Why is it important that we establish the kingdom culture? And here's, if you, if you hear anything today, the next slide, here's what's so important. Every culture, every culture produces fruit. Every culture produces fruit. It's a principle. Your home has a certain kind of fruit. Your kid's school has a certain kind of fruit. The soccer team, the college, the company that you work for, it produces a certain kind of fruit. But here's why that's such a big deal. 
because this is the truth about culture. Whatever fruit comes from that culture, you have to eat it. You will eat the fruit of whatever culture you and I choose to live in. This is important. Jesus goes, you wanna see my kingdom come. You wanna see my culture manifest. Then these are the kind of values that we are called to live by. And if you embrace those values, you're going to see the kingdom's fruit come. This is what we're asking for when he says, let your kingdom come. Now here's why this is important because you know this to be the case. Perhaps don't, don't raise your hand. Don't you love it when this, the speaker says that? Don't raise your hand. He's like, it's not a trick question. It's a trick question. Don't raise your hand. Have you ever worked in a hostile work environment? Are you currently working in a hostile work environment? <laughs> this is a safe place. This is why we're here. No. <laughs> What makes, have you ever asked the question, why is, this, why is this culture, why is this environment so incredibly frustrating? Why does it stir up anger every time I walk through the door? Jack Welch, I'm not slandering the guy, he said it, so I'm just repeating what he said about his companies. Jack Welch said this, that he, he said that in his company, they fire the lowest 10% of performers every single year. Because in his company, he expressed a value. We value performance. We value results. We value profit. Now, what does that produce? You have performers and you have non-performers. And I promise you this, in the, in the over-performing people, they will work 12, I, know friend, I have friends of mine who are this way, 12 or 14 hour days, they are top dogs, they are fighting for that promotion in the culture that they are in, it is cutthroat, it is you push people down to get where you need to go, and they become the top dog performers. What they also have is incredible burnout. Some of them in addiction. Some of them, their marriage is on the fritz. Some of them, they have no relationship with their kids. Why? Because if you're gonna operate at this high level and that's the main value that you operate your life in, you will absolutely achieve what's necessary in that culture, but you will fail in many other ways. Underperformers, how do they operate in that company? They are continually filled with an anxiety. Is today the day that I'm gonna be fired? Both the overperformer and the underperformer have one thing in common, and that is, and I've seen this in my friends, Sunday evening comes around and they are set with a heavy amount of depression because Monday's coming and they have to step back into the hostile performance. Every culture produces fruit, and whatever culture you choose to live in, you will have to eat of the fruit. What's the fruit of a culture like that? Anxiety, depression, burnout. Selah. Now, there's good news. The kingdom of God also produces fruit. And for three years, Jesus gave people a taste of what it's like to be a part of his kingdom. He says, buy into my values, be a part of my culture, and here's what you can expect. He tells dead people they can't be dead anymore. He tells crippled people you need to get up and walk. He tells blind eyes and deaf ears to open up. He takes fish and bread and he feeds 20,000 people. Jesus is going, I'm giving you a taste of what it's like to be in my kingdom. He's, bringing, he's going, in my kingdom where I have dominion, I am making all things whole. I am renewing. I am restoring. I am redeeming all things. He's bringing us back to the garden of Genesis 1 and bringing us forward into the city of Zion that is in Revelation. Because he's going, where my dominion holds, I am taking the fractures of the world and I am bringing them back together. This is the kingdom of God and this is what Jesus was doing. So I wanna introduce us today to a keystone value of the kingdom of God. But before I introduce that value and give you the invitation, hey, if you wanna be a part of the kingdom of God, embrace this value. If you embrace this value, you're embracing 20 or 30 other types of values. So I wanna introduce that value, but I also need to talk about a problem that we currently are in. And that is you and I, we live between two kingdoms who are at war with one another. 
Jesus had this from the moment that he came to the world and his kingdom is still at war to this day with the exact same kingdom and it's the culture of the world. When Jesus entered the scene, he he was born into a culture that was occupied by Rome. It was the powerhouse, the the warlord of the time. It It had incredible power, incredible might. It had authority. It was the authority of the then known world. And in that culture was also a Jewish culture filled with a a religiosity and, and type of spiritual manipulation. These two cultures produced a kind of fruit. And people lived in oppression in this culture for years and years and years. And Jesus gets on the scene and goes, those values are now obsolete. This is why they killed him. Think about this for a moment. Just think about our last year, 2020. Do you kill the guy who is destroying sickness and raising the dead and feeding your poor? I would keep that guy around, especially in 2020. You don't kill the miracle man, but you do kill the miracle man if he also comes to the town and he goes, I'm establishing a new culture. And in my culture, we have a different value system and it's in complete opposition of the current culture. That's why they killed him. Because they were kings and they weren't gonna share the throne. And that's why they crucified him. And these two cultures, they are still at war today. We have the world's culture and we have the kingdom's culture. Both are evangelizing us to embrace a certain kind of value system, a certain way of living our life. And you cannot live in both kingdoms simultaneously. And I'm gonna, I I thought all week about this this part. I, I love my country. I love my country. If I can make it a little bit more personal, boots on the ground for us. When we say world culture, we're talking about the American culture. Every country has a culture and it makes a world. We're talking about the American culture. And all the air just got sucked out of the room. Don't you talk about America. I love my country, but I also recognize the fact that I was born in this world. I'm not of this world. And when the values align with the kingdom of God, I'm all for it. We have some beautiful values that are so kingdom saturated about this country. I absolutely love We also have some values in this country that if we look at it by the definition of the kingdom of God and what our king values, they are not only abhorrent, they are wicked. And that's okay. Love my country. We also have some good values in this country that I don't think are evil or sinful, but they just sell us too far short of the life that God desires for us. We know this to be true. Here's some of the values that, that and I love these values. Just so, so finish the statement if you know this statement. In America, what we celebrate is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Any time a value is beautiful and it aligns with the kingdom of God, let's embrace it wholeheartedly and champion it in our country. Life, that all men are created equal. I can so get behind that, not because it's an American value, but because it's a kingdom value that America adopted. That God created all men equal. He came to give us life and life to the full. I can get behind that one. Liberty, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He came for freedom's sake to set us free. I can get behind that one. Pursuit of happiness. I'm not against the pursuit of happiness. It's just too small of a thing to give our life to. And we know, this to be, we know this to be true. We know this to be true, even in just human study, if you're not a Jesus follower, we, you know this to be true, that at the end of our lives, we're not after a happy life, we are after a meaningful and purposeful life. That is what we want. 
We wanna be surrounded by our friends and family and our kids and our grandkids and we want them to sing our praises, not for our own glory, but because we made an impact in their life and we left something for them. That's what we want. And the problem with pursuing happiness is you will never find meaning and purpose by pursuing your own personal happiness or living your truth. You find meaning and purpose not by pursuing personal happiness. You find meaning and purpose by pursuing God. Seek first the kingdom of God and these things would be added unto you. It's too small of a thing to give our life away to. A young man came to Jesus one day as he's preaching in math, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 10. And he comes to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, I've heard about this kingdom you're talking about and I love it. How do I get eternal life like this? And Jesus goes, he starts talking about the values of the kingdom. He goes, well, don't murder, don't steal, don't tell lies. The young man goes, Jesus, I've been operating like that since the time I was a boy. I'm all for it. And it says this, it says, it's amazing. And Jesus, when he responded like that, he says, Jesus looking at him, loved him. Jesus goes, I love this kid. I think he's, he's got crazy potential. I love this guy. And so Jesus goes, that's amazing. He invites him onto his team to be one of his disciples. And he says this, you just lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus brings his disciples over as the boy's walking away. He goes, man, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. See, the problem with our culture and our country is that we're strong like Romans. And the fruit of our culture is sweet. The problem is, is that it's sour in the soul oftentimes. Jesus is not against wealth or money. What Jesus is against though is he will not share his throne with any master. And what he told to the young man was simply this. He goes, this wealth, this pursuing of your happiness, this comfortable life that you love so much, that's, that's you going into a different culture. And if you wanna be a part of what I'm doing, you have to leave that. And you know what's sad to me? This is the sad part to me, is that that young man, I guarantee you, he pursued that culture and he lived an incredibly happy and comfortable life. What I'm challenged by and what saddens me though is I have no idea his name. I'll tell you the names of people I do know. I know Peter, James, John, Matthew, because Jesus gave the exact same invitation, not because they were wealthy like this man, but he gives every single person that he invites to be a part of the kingdom, he gives you this invitation as well. Leave what you deem to be comfortable and what is making you happy to come and follow me and I will give you better than that. James, John, Peter, they left their nets and they went to follow him. They left their life in this culture and they pursued him. Matthew walked from behind his tax collecting table and said, I can't live here anymore. I'm called to be a part of the kingdom. We have values that are being positioned to us. Choose the values of how you want to live your life and I promise you, you are building a certain kind of culture. Be mindful of the fact that every culture, every culture produces fruit and you and I have to eat of that fruit. It matters. Now, I wanna introduce a keystone value of the kingdom of God, and this keystone value uh, is very straightforward. If you look at Jesus continually talking to his disciples, he's continually hitting the same pattern again and again and again and again. And so all I want you to do is if you wanna be a part of the kingdom of God, this is the value that you have to embrace. You can't get around it. If you're not about this value, I'm sorry, you will not see the kingdom of God manifest in your life. 
Faith by faith and believing in Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus, he is your sacrifice. Anyone can be a child of God and putting their faith in Jesus because he is the sacrifice for the entire world. But if you wanna grow into be a mature son or daughter in the kingdom of God and see the kingdom of God at work and to be considered great in the kingdom, it will require you to embrace this value. And here's the value, selflessness. Selflessness, if you grab hold of selflessness, all these other uh, values that are in the kingdom of God are, are going to just naturally be a part of your daily life. Selflessness, it is, the kingdom of God is about sacrifice. The kingdom of God is about service. The kingdom of God, it is about submission and surrender. The kingdom of God is about generosity, of love, of honor, of self-control, of patience. It's continually taking you away from your focus in your life and putting it on the lives of others. This is the kingdom of God. This is exactly what Jesus did for us, and this is what he calls his followers to do as well, selflessness. Jesus is with his disciples in uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. And Jesus, and this is just, you read scripture sometimes and it makes you laugh. Uh, Jesus had one of the same problems that we have in the South, and that is there's soccer moms present. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Let's just, I'm painting the picture for you. This is, this is, if you went to Bible college, this is what they would have taught you. Paint the picture. Here you go. We got, uh, we got James and John and their mom. I already like where the story's heading. 20 year old men. She's got like a little sun visor. She's got a fanny pack that has suntan lotion and band-aids. She's got some orange slices and some Capri Suns. And she's like, excuse me, Jesus. I just need to talk to the team coach. Excuse me, Jesus. Uh, Jesus, you know my sons, James and John. They're the talented and gifted ones on your squad. All the moms just like, if you could see the room, the moms just like, I don't do that for my kid. She goes to Jesus and she's just like, Jesus, that sticky fingered peanut butter boy, Judas, he's not like these boys, James and John, James and John, they're, they're talented and gifted. And since they're so talented and gifted, when you come into your kingdom, could they sit next to you? Let's get back to reality. James and John's mom comes in and she goes, Jesus, we are all about your kingdom. We are all about your kingdom. Can my boys be your right hand guys? When you come into your kingdom, can they be second in command? And it said that as, as the mom is talking to Jesus about granting this request, James and John are right behind her going, yeah, Jesus, we, we, can, let, let us, we can really help you. Let us be the guys. And it says that behind them were the other tw- 10 disciples and they were furious at the boys. And be very clear, it's not because they're like, you're so selfish and egotistical. They're sitting behind them seating because they're like, why didn't we think of this? There were two empty chairs and we could have jumped in. Now James and John is gonna get like, like that. And, and, so, and so Jesus goes, teachable moment, coachable moment. He brings the guys together because there's just arrogance and ego. And it's like, we want to rule. We want to be masters. We want, it. We want our kingdom to, to come. And Jesus gathers them. He gathers them and he says this. And when the 10 heard this, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. And then he says this powerful statement, it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first must, uh, you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus goes, there's two cultures at war right now, gentlemen. And the way that these leaders operate in this kingdom is they lord over people. They, they push people down into submission. They, they twist them and twist them until they can produce more and more accolade and praise to support their kingdom. 
And then he comes to his disciples and he goes, we will not be like this. I have to preach this to myself on a continual basis because if we can bring this into our context, Jesus would say, we don't do it like the Romans, we don't do it like the Jewish people, and we certainly don't do it like the American culture where some lord it over people. And so it doesn't matter how harsh they are, it doesn't matter how manipulative they are, it doesn't matter if they're ruling with an iron fist, it doesn't matter if they're, they're really horrible with people and they treat people with a level of cruelty, but as long as they get the results that we want, then it's okay. How many people I justify in my own heart to go, well, you know, the, the ends justify the means. And Jesus would go, this is not great leadership in the kingdom. We cannot, we cannot as Christians, a part of the kingdom citizenship, we cannot admire or call great what our king outright rebukes. It doesn't mean that we have to walk away from parties. It doesn't mean that we can't vote for certain people. But when they do something completely idiotic and horrible, by definition of what the kingdom would say is idiotic and horrible, we do not lift them up still and say, well, you know, we'll just cover that piece. But at least they're getting the results. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, it's not about you being in charge. It's about you caring for the people that are in your charge. This is what it means to be in the kingdom. Selflessness. Be a servant. Jesus is uh, at a dinner party in Matthew chapter 26. He's at this dinner party, and, there, and this, is, this account is in all four of the Gospels, just different perspectives of this party, but uh, for, for our time, Matthew 26. He's at this party. It's at, at, at Simon's house, and his disciples in there. Other people are there, and during the party, this woman comes in, and she's a prostitute. Other accounts say it's Mary Magdalene. And two things happen, if you read all four accounts, two main threads happen. One, they rebuke Jesus because they go, if he knew who she was, he would never let her get near him. Mary comes in, she brings in this massive bottle of perfume, incredibly valuable, and she pours it at the feet of Jesus and she just pours it all completely out on him. And they hold that against her. They hold Jesus for the way that he's interacting with her, but they hold, they hold a disdain for her and they go, if she was really a follower of Jesus, she would have sold this bottle and given the profits to the poor. But Jesus stops for a moment. He goes, there's two pictures of the gospel, two messages of the kingdom. This is the message of the kingdom found in this space. And he says this, in pouring out this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. She's the only one who actually knows what's going on and what the kingdom of God is about. So Jesus goes, truly I say to you, wherever my gospel, this message of my kingdom is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Because there's two pictures that she captured about the message of the gospel in this picture and in her actions. Number one, that all of heaven took its most valuable possession and prized Jesus. And he was bottled up in a humanly form and he poured out his life on the dirtiest of humanity to clean us and save us of our sin. It is a perfect picture of the gospel. But number two, he goes, I want you to remember her and I want you to remember her actions because the way in which she acted, this is the way of the kingdom. She took what was most valuable of her life and she poured her life out for the sake of her king and for other people, selflessness. If you wanna be a part of the kingdom of God, then the invitation for you is to be a great servant and to pour out the best of your life for your king and for this country, this people. This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus is at uh, the Last Supper with his, with his disciples, John chapter 13. 
And if I can paint the picture for you, they're preparing the meal, they're getting everything ready. And Jesus comes to the window, looking up at the sky, looking at the stars, he begins to connect with his father. And it says in the text that as he is, as he is in praying and preparing himself, he realizes my hour's coming. My mission, my objective to be the sacrifice for the world, it's here now. And it says something that's fascinating. It says in that moment, he had the realization that all authority and all power and all might was on his shoulders. Many world leaders, especially uh, in, in our country, they make promises about what they're going to do in the first 100 days. I'm still kind of a young man, so I've only seen a couple renditions of this in a presidential election. I've yet to see somebody make do on all the promises that they promise in the first 100 days. Vote for me, put me in power, and I promise you I will do this. Some get some stuff done, but a lot of times they all miss it. Jesus is literally at the windowsill, and he's been put in power. He's given complete and total authority. He's been told, you are the master of the universe. You are the most important being in all of existence. And it's in that revelation that he turns from the window and he looks at the busy noisiness of the house and his men getting the, day re the dinner ready. And it says that he takes out his outer garment and he ties a towel around his waist. And he says, my first action in my seat of rule, here's my response. And he tells his disciples, I need to wash your feet. They persistently go, you are a teacher, you are a Lord, you should not by any means be the one that would wash our feet. Somebody lower should be doing this. This is, this is beneath you. And he, he won't hear their persistence. He goes, no, I have to do that. And after he's done washing their feet, he responds with this. He puts his garment back on and he says, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you should do that. It's right because that is who I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Verse 34 and 35, further down in the chapter, this king gives a new command, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you are a part of my kingdom. If you have love for one another. You wanna be great in the kingdom of God? Be a servant, put yourself last. You wanna be great in the kingdom of God? You wanna declare the message of the kingdom? Then pour out your life for the sake of others and for your king. Our example comes from our king himself. He led us here because he's a phenomenal leader. He doesn't just say what to do, he leads by example. How much more so if this is our king's response when he's given all authority, should we respond in devotion to one another? Selflessness. It is a value of the kingdom of God. And if you wanna see the kingdom of God manifest in your life, it's not something that just comes down to us and slams the room. It is something that works itself out of us. Like a yeast in our heart, it works itself out until it overflows into the life of other people. We are the ones who usher in his kingdom. We are the church. Jesus preached this message continually again and again and again and again. And I know that I can't do what Jesus did. Jesus preached this message to embrace this kind of lifestyle and to come and follow him. And there were some people who embraced it and some people walked away. So I know because I'm not Jesus that some of you are not gonna embrace selflessness and that's okay. But some of you here are going, I wanna see the kingdom of God come. I want that kind of fruit in my life and I want God to use my life to bear that kind of fruit. 
And if that's you and you want to embrace this kind of living, then I just have three things as we're closing out our time together, three things that we can do practically to embrace selflessness. Number one, and this is how the kingdom of God operates. Number one, it is a mature mind. It is a call to repentance. John the Baptist said it plainly in preparation for Jesus, repent because the kingdom of God is coming. Every single one of us has to repent and to change. We have to think differently. The entire three years of Jesus' ministry was just trying to get his disciples think differently. This is how the world operates, but not so with you. You have to mature your mind. Well, I was in a, a youth group back in my hometown of North Carolina, and my, one of my best friend's moms preached this message in our youth group. And I don't remember the full message. I just remember this story that she told. And she said, when, when Brandon was young, uh, him and his little sister, what I would do is I would, I would take them when they were about four or five years old, and I would bring them to the inside of the sidewalk when we would go for a walk. And I'd walk to the outside. All the moms know what I'm talking about. And she goes, in my head, I don't know how I rationalize it. In my head, it was just on the one hand to just kind of be like an arm that would block them if they wandered into the traffic. I could, I could stop them. And she goes, somewhere in my head too, I thought that like, you know, if a car skipped the sidewalk somehow, I'd be able to like push them out of the way in time and I'd take the car, but it wouldn't get all of us. And so she said, for years, I just continually operated like that. I continually just brought them to the inside of the sidewalk. She said, I knew that I had to start talking to Brandon a little bit differently because he was growing up and he was maturing and becoming a man. When one day we get out of the car, we're going to a restaurant and we, we're walking down the sidewalk and without saying anything, Brandon just takes Angela's forearm and just brings her to the inside of the sidewalk and starts walking on the outside. It was his way of going, I'm gonna take the car. She knew then, she goes, he's not thinking like, a, have we noticed this, that kids and parents think differently? You're born into iniquity, kids are just selfish. Like just straight up. Just straight up selfish parents, they, they, they have to, or they're going to like punt their kid across there. They have to embrace kingdom values. They have to be sacrificial. They have to, don't act like you don't do it. Like I hear all these parents chuckling, like we would never do that. Like <laughs> repent, <laughs> repent, mature your mind. We have to be sacrificial. We have to serve. We have to love unconditionally. We have to pour out our lives generously for the sake of our kids because we're trying to mature them into these kind of adults to be sacrificial. For some of us today, we're gonna to embrace selflessness. And what that looks like for you is it means you're going to take some people in your life to the inside of the sidewalk and you're gonna step out on the outside as you walk and do life together. Think differently, mature your mind. Some people, it's in a consumer. We live in a culture that is consumer-based. It's just what it is, not so with you. As believers, we take our community in here and those who are in our city and we bring them to the inside of the sidewalk and we walk on the outside. This is what it means to be a Jesus follower. Number two, in order to embrace selflessness, we have to mature our minds, step to the outside of the sidewalk and we have to start now. Start now. This is something that's said often and, I, and there's scriptures that would, would back me up on this and, and, and say don't operate like this. Some people will say, uh, I will be generous when? And they kind of describe their ship coming in. I will be generous when I get the promotion. I will be generous when I get the raise. I will be generous when I just have a little bit more, more money than I currently do. I will serve on a grace team when. I will be a part of a community group when. A better way to say it is to go, I can be generous today by. I can be generous today by making a meal for my neighbor. Jesus is not interested in a specific amount. He's interested in your heart. 
and he's, he's making a people who are submitted to his values. He wants you to have a generous heart. Don't say, don't say I can be generous when say I can be generous today by giving this to Northlands, by giving this to my community here, by giving this to my neighbor. I can serve today by fill in the blanks. If you want to embrace selflessness, you mature your mind. We have to start now. And number three, we have to build here. We build here. I would encourage you if, you, if you consider, if you don't like the environment of your, your household right now, perfect time to assess and go, what values of the kingdom of God do we need to embrace so that our household is filled with peace and the fruit of the kingdom? But once you're finished looking at your household, the next place that you are called to look is the church. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the kingdom of darkness will not prevail against my church. You are called to be generous to this house. You're called to be in service to this people and this community. This month, we're gonna talk about signing up and joining a community group. You should join a community group because this is what it means to embrace selfless living. Not everybody is gonna accept this invitation and that's okay. But for some of you, you're about to take your first step to the outside of the sidewalk for the very first time. And I couldn't be more proud because I love building with kingdom people. Mark chapter 12, Jesus is having this conversation preaching in the temples. He's talking with a bunch of uh, scribes and teachers and one of the scribes comes to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, tell me what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus without missing a beat, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor. Second command, love your neighbor as yourself. Selflessness. He essentially says, pour out your life for God and pour out your life for your neighbor selflessness and the scribe says to him he says he says Jesus you answered correctly the gall on that teacher could you imagine being like Jesus you're right like it's Jesus yes he's right he goes Jesus you're correct and he reiterates he goes the greatest command is to love God and to love your neighbor and Jesus whispers to him in the, in the crowd in the meeting and he goes <clears throat> you're not far from the kingdom of God Some of you today are gonna to give your very first offering to Northlands, that's amazing. And if you'd like to give, we didn't do offering for this very reason, we'll put it up on the slide. There's many ways to give. You can put check or cash in the, in the baskets here or you can just text it in. But some of you are going to give for the very first time because that's your step of stepping to the outside of the sidewalk and being selfless. Some of you are gonna join a grace team today Email admin at northlandschurch.com and tell, just bang down the door, Hannah, Holly, Sheila, say, I've got to join a grace team. I've got to serve. And we will connect you with grace team leaders because you need to bring your strengths to this house because that's your step on stepping to the outside and bringing others before you. We have, since COVID, it's just the reality. We need children's ministry workers in order to launch a second service. We need ministry team leaders up here at the front in order to keep a second service ministry team. There are places to serve in the front lobby. We need service on a Sunday morning. For some of us, COVID has flipped us upside down. I completely get that reality. But you, if you're a member here at Northlands, we serve one another. So join a grace team, admin at northlandschurch.com. And this month, Tom will talk about it in a few weeks, we're gonna be joining grace, or, uh, uh, community groups together. And I'm gonna challenge you not just to join a community group, but I want you to text the host of that community group each week and to go, hey, is there anything that I can bring? Because that's what it means to build community. It's not just about you coming and receiving from the community, it's that you contribute to the community. Selflessness. 
Some of you will choose to embrace selflessness and others will not, and that's okay. But for those of you who embrace selflessness today, I have a message for you. You're not far from the kingdom of God. If you'd bow your heads with me and, and close your eyes, I just wanna take a moment and um, as we close out, Perhaps you're here today and you're recognizing the reality of, man, I am currently living in a kingdom and I do not like the fruit of the culture that I am living in. I don't like what I've had to diet and eat for the last several years. I wanna be a part of a new kingdom with a better fruit. And if you're here today and you've never considered making Jesus your Lord, I just would invite you, would you come and talk to our leaders? Would you come and, would you, would you come? We'd love to pray with you. Would you surrender your life to Jesus as your teacher, as your Lord, as your savior, as your king? and join his kingdom. Because I promise you the fruit of this kingdom, it is eternal and it will not corrupt. It will never run out. Those who are broken will be made whole. Those who are sick, they will be healed. Those who are lost, they will always be found because this is what happens when King Jesus has dominion over your heart and your life. And so if you're here today and you wanna make Jesus your king, I would love to see you in the front lobby after the service and just to pray with you and to give you a gift. Jesus, I thank you for the heart and men of these women in this community. Thank you for making us a selfless and generous people. Lord, I pray that we would embrace this invitation to serve one another, to wash each other's feet, to love well as we do life together and we see your kingdom advance. Jesus, we wanna see your kingdom come. We wanna see your will be done. And so therefore we are committing today to be a people who celebrate your rule and your will and your reign.